0: Welcome and welcome back to the show. This is Real Reality Realness. I am Brian K. James, and I put the mess in the message. I am so excited to have this person on the show today. They are a podcaster where his show, We Should Talk, catches up with all of the most amazing housewives, reality television stars, et cetera, et cetera, and I cannot wait to get to know them better. Ladies, gentlemen, and every gender or lack thereof in between, join me and welcoming to the show Gibson Johns.
1: How are you? Thank you, doing? you so much. Good. Thank you so much for having me. It was a nice intro. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm doing what I can. I yeah. appreciate you being here.
0: Thank you so much for
1: taking my call. Of course. I, I you were so nice to reach out and I'm I'm happy to chat. It's, it's always fun to do stuff like this. I appreciate that so much.
0: What are you most looking forward to from
1: 2023? Mm. Oh man. Um. Generally, or or prof- like just in general, or Bravo wise, or for per- personally, I'll you what
0: okay. sticks out
1: most to you? Um. Well, since I'll I'll do a couple different levels. Bravo wise, I think. Um, you know, there's a lot of exciting shows. I think either have uh, just come back or. that that are just starting to film um i'm 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 really as a fan honestly i'm really happy with what where the where sort of the housewives bravo world is right now um especially sort of coming out of some of like the darker pandemic related seasons like I'm, i'm i'm just happy i feel like we're back on good footing um and a lot of the shows are in a really good place um and then personally um I have a couple weddings and things with friends that I'm just excited to, to, to travel to and be with friends this year. Um, I just have a much better appreciation for that in the past couple of years. And um, yeah, I'm I don't know, it's, it's I like to turn my mind off on weekends like that, you know, and uh, just enjoy time with, with people I love. So that's what I'm looking forward to. What about you?
0: Um, For me, I'm looking forward to seeing where this podcast takes me, who I get to talk to, um, I've gotten some opportunities um from doing this this, this this podcast so I'm waiting to see how those turn out. I'm doing some new things and That's awesome. Uh, uh, thank you so much. I'm just ready to see, you know, what I'm really capable of. I think I've been in this audition phase for like the past 20 years of trying to figure out how to get my foot in the door, what works for me, what's my niche, what's my lane, and I've tried just a little bit of everything just because i like to do like 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 to be well rounded but mm-hmm. i think i'm finally in a space where I've, i finally figured out what i'm supposed to be doing and then all the other stuff is just supposed to be perks based off of me establishing this career
1: yeah i i like that and i think that like i think i i feel, i've felt the same way of just sort of like it's kind of like trial and error you know and then you and you really find i think it's i think it's i've always said i think it's just as important to find what you don't like and what you're maybe not going to thrive in what you don't like Find what you to find what's right for you, and I think that that that's part of the the journey with it, you know. And like, and, and also, it's like you you started this, and like you put your you're putting yourself out there like that. That's the first step is just starting it, and then it's just you figure it out on the way. And that's like I, like I for years I've been wanting to start a newsletter, and I finally did that in the fall, and like it was just about starting it, and now I feel good about sort of where it's going and things like that. So I I, I totally feel you on that.
0: Absolutely.
1: Sorry, I've got three dogs and they're it is okay. All I, I know the do- I know the dog like. <laughs> they're all pissed off right now
0: and I'm like, what? It's so early in the morning. Why are you angry? <laughs> anyway, um uh, shout out to Luna Abby and anime God bless y'all. Y'all know awesome. that show. <laughs> <laughs> My audience is very familiar with the dogs. They know them. <laughs> what are you most looking forward to leaving behind in 2022?
1: Hmm. Um. I think that, you know, during the pandemic, I started working from home. I'm still working from home. I'm always going to be working from home in this current job and, and which I, which I like. And I like that it sort of, it gives me time to, to, to have a better balance in life. But I also think that with that came, uh, I used to be a very much like fully self starter on my shit. Did my to have my routine like to like to the to the T. I was the first one at the office, blah, blah blah. But with the pandemic, I I sort of embraced like not. I don't think laziness is the right word. Just sort of like uh, there's some days where I'm, I'm just sort of like lethargic and just don't really feel like being proactive and, and being productive. And I'm trying to leave that. In 2022, At this point, it's been enough time where it's like, I don't really feel like I have an excuse to be like that anymore. And I don't really like that feeling. I still like the balance. And I still like the the, the the better kind of equilibrium that I have in my life with, the per- with personal and professional, but um, I don't love feeling like I don't, uh, I'm not naturally like kind of being a self-starter and being productive and um, I like I I like feeling accomplished even if it's just like a little bit of something I did in my day it doesn't have to be a big thing but I like to I like that feeling and so I'm trying to embrace that more this year and leave some of that behind. I'm with you on that
0: I think that's that's what's been my saving grace with this podcast is kind of formatting it at the talk show where i I talk to people seven days a week and like do new episodes five days a week it's kind of kept my mind so occupied and so busy it feels like i'm doing something at all times of the day yeah there's
1: there's always something you can be working on and that's that it's it's that's i like that feeling as well yeah absolutely
0: when did you fall in love with reality tv
1: when i when i was like seven or eight years old. like I, My, we were watching, I had an older brother who was also into it. I have an older brother who's also into it. And so he would kind of know, he would be reading up on the shows or hearing about a show. So he would like have our family be watching them. And that's, he definitely was was integral in that. But um, like, I remember the first season, the first season of Survivor in 1999 or 2000, my whole family watched that together and Big Brother back then, um, a lot of those shows, like and I've watched every single season of both those shows. Um, you know, after that, you know, we we also watch early Bravo stuff. We we were watching Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, Project Runway, early Top Chef, um, a lot of those early shows, like even pre Housewives. Um, so I've I've always loved it. I've always loved it, and I I guess it's it's hard, I guess it's hard to understand why. Some I think for some people you obviously do because you love it too. But um, I don't know. I just I just think it's fascinating to watch how other real people react to different. Scenarios and there's re- relatability in it, and it's just fascinating. And I, um, and I, and I equally like competition shows and, and all that, and the sort of docu style that we have, that we love on Bravo. I, I, I equally love both of those, and I think that part of the reason why I can continue to do all this is like having that balance of not going fully in on the on the docu style, not going fully in on the competition. Like I like to watch both and, and kind of have that balance in my life. Nice. How do you think you
0: would have done on your favorite reality show growing up? Like, if you got cast on Survivor, how do you think you would have fared?
1: I, well, being a picky eater, and I, I've gotten better over the years, but as a young kid, I literally, like, buttered pasta and chicken fingers. So, like, <laughs> I I would have done really badly on Survivor. I think Big Brother is it was and probably is still sort of more my wheelhouse if I was going to, like, go on a show like that because you can just be in a house and you get to eat and you get to, there are still competitions, which I think that I could, you know, knock on wood, maybe do well in, but um, I also think that to me the the biggest, um, you know, I think the thing that you can't really, you can't engineer from home, you can't really understand until you're fully in a situation like that is the social game of it all. And 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 how you have to, you have to be comfortable lying and, and manipulating and, and whatever and like, I think it I'm not really like that in real life but like you have to you have to embrace that even kernel inside of you in, a, in an environment like that so that to me would be a challenge and I and I would be up for that challenge at some point I think it'd be interesting
0: well the big brother is casting right now I don't know if you know that, <laughs> because <laughs> I started to fill out an app thought, oh really the other What's day like it was an interesting process like it Like, the more that I've done this, because I've, you know, filled out applications for reality shows throughout my entire life, just just wild and free. But um, I didn't have the time to do the video at the time. So, like, I got up until when I was supposed to submit the video, and I was like, well, I don't have time to do it right now. I'm doing other things. (laughs) I'm doing, like, 10 other things. I don't have time to do the video right now. So maybe I'll go back to it. Maybe I won't.
1: If not, take my place. Okay. All right. I'm, I I like that. I like that deal for us. <laughs> not bad. What is your coochie craving? My coochie craving? Mm-hmm. Oof. Well, your boy is single, re- re- single and ready to mingle. Um, my coochie Work. craving... I don't know. I'm like... My current, you know, mentality around that is like... I, I'm not craving a relationship. That's That's what I'll say. Like, I think there, there's definitely points in my life in the past couple of years where I have craved that, um, but then when like something potential comes along, I've realized that that's not just like wrong time for me. So I'm craving, mm-hmm. I'm craving, I'm craving fun. I'm cra- like I'm craving whatever comes my way, and um, I don't know. I, I'm just I'm a, I live a pretty busy lifestyle. Just just take I say yes to a lot of different things and. Um, and I, and I value my friends more right now than I value, like, a potential date or something like that. Um, and I like the idea of, like, going out with my with my gaze on a Friday night and, like, being open to whatever, again, whatever comes my way. Like, I like that right now. I like that openness.
0: Nice. I dig yeah. that. <laughs> Can you describe the moment, the episode, or the season of reality television that you knew you had to start creating content?
1: Um, well, I sort of fell into doing all this professionally. Like, I, I, you know, I just sort of, I was on sort of a general news team, and then I sort of asked to be put on the entertainment side of things and that that worked and then they were all doing interviews and I asked to do that and so I started like just doing kind of random people I'd never heard of but I just wanted to practice with it um but then I forget exactly I forget what my first ever Bravo interview was but I remember when that sort of started and I was like okay (laughs) I've always loved these shows but I I was sort of more of like a passive viewer, you know? Like I wasn't, but like when I started interviewing them, I had to sort of engage with these shows on a different level and a different way um, to prepare for an interview or just to think differently about each woman's like position on the show. And um, when I, around, the, around that time when I was sort of figuring that out, that was around when um, Potomac was starting, season one of Potomac, um, Summer House was starting, Dallas was starting. And so, and, and those shows, like, nobody cared about those shows in the first one or two seasons. Those were very small audiences, they weren't very well rated, but to me, as somebody who was very green and willing to, again, interview people that nobody really knew about or whatever, like, weren't famous before, I, I was saying yes to all those people because I was like, I love Bravo, like, chances are these shows are, you know, there's a possibility that they're going to go away with a one or two seasons, but like, knowing the track record for Housewives, only one franchise has ever been canceled after one season. And that was D.C. So like I knew they were going to give Potomac and Dallas specifically some time to figure it out. Summer House was more questionable because they've had they've tried. They tried a lot of like younger skewing shows like that. Um, and those first couple seasons of Summer House were, were rough. But I, I but I but I watched them. And, and so I was interviewing like, you know, Kyle and Carl and the Workers twins and Lindsay Hubbard, all from early Summer House seasons from season one when nobody cared about them. And, and wow. I was sort of cutting my teeth around that. Potomac, I, I did a phone interview before Potomac ever aired with like, I think it was Karen, Giselle and Ashley, literally like like a four-way phone call. I ended I, like, and and nobody knew who they were. And I was like, I, I knew from around that time that I was like excited by these women. And like, they to me, they were stars and they had dynamic personalities. And um, to me, like that was the moment where it clicked where it was like, I'm thinking about these shows differently. I can, I can also create a relationship with some of these people where I'm showing interest in them early on. I'm giving them, I'm giving them press, I'm giving them space to share their more of their story. Like I kind of read it. I, I realized in that moment that like, it is sort of a symbiotic relationship where like they scratch my back, I scratch theirs. Like it's sort of, you know, we both, we both get something from the situation. Um, and, and, you know, that's just how it works. And, um, so the, that was the early days. And that's when I I think my relationship with all of this changed. Um, but yeah, that, that's sort of, that, that that's my answer, I would say.
0: You hit the nail on the head for me when you got to the symbiotic relationship. I think I started realizing that with this podcast a couple weeks ago, to be perfectly honest. Um, I think I realized that, you know not only do I have the opportunity to have these conversations with these people, but this is also an opportunity for people to come on my show to, you know, promote their platforms, you know, to, you know, share their stories, share their journeys, to be um, be related to in a way that they may not get the opportunity to be related to on, on the other shows or on the other blogs and things because I specifically position my show not to be messy. So... You know, I kind of started realizing, like, I have to be as excited that I have my own platform as I am to have these people on it and, you know, give myself the respect for the show that I feel like. Yeah,
1: definitely. Yeah. Yeah, it's it, it's a it's about any opportunity. A lot of them will take any opportunity to promote their story, promote themselves, and then, in, in essence, promote their shows, because that's just part of the game. and. um yeah I think it's it's uh it's also it's you know in a lot of these in a lot of settings like this where you're having conversations and there aren't that many cuts made like to them it's 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 they have much more control over what makes it in or even though you have control as like the person who owns the show and hosts it whatever you're not you're you're not editing it down and and cutting and splicing like like they are on these shows and I think that they don't they don't they just know that that's part of the that that's part of the equation when it comes to being on a show like this but like i know that it frustrates like a majority of them so they liked they like to have more control over what what makes it out there you know and yeah and i think that you know i think a lot of times people these days are like well they can't they just like post it all on like their instagram like why do they have-? it's like well no it's sometimes they need somebody else to help facilitate that message as well so um that's how i think about it too I agree with you
0: and you know once you start to realize like oh my show is listened to in 40 states and 25 countries oh I actually do have something to want to be oh like oh okay love it
1: yeah it's amazing now I get it
0: yeah it's like okay now it's now I understand the importance of shows like like this and like how we kind of become people to help to facilitate their stories and I Mm. you know I, 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 I completely see that what do you think is the craziest thing that a guest has said on your show so far? Hmm.
1: Well, I think I think um, like you said, like you don't try to be messy, and I definitely don't either. Um, I think there's a lot of people that are better at that than I am, and that's not that's not the game that I'm playing. Like I just I just like to talk to people and have conversations with them. Like I'm not. I think there's a lot of people that are amazing at kind of in an interview setting like jumping around and just you know hitting all the top points of interest like all right we talked about this check. we talked about this check but like to me I'd rather it flow and if I don't get to like getting that hot topic answer soundbite headline making situation I'm okay with that because I still think like I I know that I like listening to like kind of more fluid conversations that you know help me get to know the person in a different way and it might not necessarily answer my biggest burning question about what's going on in the show at that given time but um so I don't nothing jumps out to me as being some super crazy that somebody has said because I feel like everything that people say it's usually makes sense given in in the context of the conversation that we're having Mm -hmm. um but I mean like there, there are certain things that have been picked up over the years you know like by press like i had leah McSweeney on last year and it was sort of in that weird in between period when nobody really knew what was happening with brony and she had, she was releasing her book and so she was promoting her book but obviously she talks a lot about housewives in the book um and like sort of her journey with that especially as, as, as it pertained to like the sobriety and stuff and i i just asked her what how she envisions because i think they had they had announced legacy and that they're going to do a reboot but with Leah and Ebony, it sort of felt like they were gonna fall in between the cracks, you know, because they didn't mm-hmm. really fit they didn't really fit in with legacy, but they it sounded like the reboot was gonna be all new people. So it was sort of like so I asked her where she kind of sees her future on the show and she she said, I don't think I'm coming back. Like I don't it's just not working. And then that got picked up everywhere. So there are certain moments like that where it's like it's pretty like it's not it's not super messy or crazy, but like it is it is a moment where she answered a question that people wanted to know the answer to. So that makes perfect sense. Yeah. What do you
0: think on the opposite side of that has been the most impactful or important thing to you that somebody said on your show?
1: Um I would say, I mean, so I started my I started my show in the fall of 2020. And obviously in that year a lot, you know, what became what became top of mind in a new way for I think a lot, especially a lot of white people, was just thinking about the diversity of guests that i'm booking on my show and the topics that we're talking about and 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 acknowledging race and as it pertains to these shows and and how you know with represent what you know the importance of representation but also the importance of tackling topics as they pertain to race on the show and not shying away from those and i learned a lot that year and um somebody that I had on around that time I think I think I probably had her on in 2021 was Tayshia, who was about ba- she was on The Bachelor then she became The Bachelorette mm-hmm. and she was the second ever black uh lead on The Bachelorette and we talked a lot about her re- relationship to the idea of of the burden of representation and the idea that she was supposed to represent all black women all black viewers and sort of what that meant to her and we had a really like just amazing honest frank straightforward conversation around it and she was super great about it and um it didn't get emotional or anything but it was just like she was so willing to she was so willing to open up about it and i think that sometimes when you're that and she had just finished her season i believe and i think sometimes um you know when when the bachelor or bachelorette people like that are still sort of so it's not that far removed from their seasons. They're kind of scared to talk about some of the the stickier quote unquote subjects around around the show and that show notoriously like likes to shy away from stuff like that. Um, so I I just really appreciated her candor and her openness and her willing willingness to open up about that because it was not an easy thing to say and I think something that I remember she told me shes like I'm always so scared of saying the wrong thing or or offending the wrong group of people. Because what I think or say might differ from what they think or say. think that I should be thinking or saying, like. But she kind of was like, "No, like I don't need to represent every single person. I don't need to represent every single person. It doesn't matter. I'm going to choose what I choose. I'm going to think what I think, and I'm going to say what I say because it represents me." Um, so I don't know. I thought that was a very good conversation that I had with her, and I think that it taught me to not be afraid to go there either, and to not afraid not be afraid to ask those questions. Um, And I think it was, I think it was pretty fruitful. I love that.
0: What do you think is the most, um, what do you think you learned about society and reality television from people of color being on your show?
1: I've learned a lot. I think, I mean, I think about these shows totally differently over the past two or two and a half years. Um, You know, and I think in, in combination with sort of the people I've had on my show, who, who we, when we've talked about those topics, so like I had Ebony on after her season of Real Housewives of New York, and we, we we totally went there and we talked all about that and sort of, you know, I think that, especially when it comes to Roni, I think Rony's a really good case study in that because I think um, obviously she was the first black person to be on a cast member on that show. And and she had a very specific experience on, on Roni, I would say, and obviously changed the trajectory of that entire franchise. Um, for better or worse depending on who you ask I would say but I learned I just learned I just learned to think differently about these things and think and just like sometimes pause and 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 put yourself in the other person's shoes before you make a judgment call on whether or not the Black Shabbat dinner should have happened like like what what was really going through Ebony's mind in that by setting up that event and whatever or what was It just I just think it's more about putting yourself in other people's perspectives and and that's part of these conversations that I like to have on my show which is just get going there and talking about it and and you know going back and forth it's not an argumentative way more in just like a in a unpacking sort of way um Mm -hmm. and and I think before before I started having these conversations I just didn't think deeply in that manner I just didn't like it wasn't that wasn't my experience and I thought that that was okay to just not go there but actually like I should be going there, I should be thinking about that and I'm so grateful that I've learned that over the past couple years. I love that, that's awesome.
0: In your opinion, what is the difference between a controversial housewife or or reality star and a problematic housewife or reality star?
1: (laughs) There's definitely a fine line there, that's a good question. it's hard i, I that there, it's a really tough line um i think because on the one hand i agree i think one thing that andy says all the time is like he like he wants the housewives to not just represent one kind of woman whether that's politically culturally economically whatever like i think he he definitely wants the housewives to like portray as much of the country as as possible like sort of that the spectrum of thought um and i guess to me it becomes Somebody, a certain housewife would become problematic when they do something problematic or they, or they say something problematic. Like to me, when they cross a certain line and I think that that line is hard to define until they, until they cross it almost, you know what I mean? Like for example, like Leanne Locken in Dallas or, Cam- or Cameron Westcott in, in the Dallas show, like they, to me, like they crossed the line, but like that line was not, it wasn't clear what that line necessarily was until they did cross it because you don't know Mm -hmm. how somebody or how things are going to go on a show um i think that an an, an interesting example and i think one that's very divisive is ramona i think that she i think in some people's eyes she crossed the line years ago and i think in some people's minds she still hasn't crossed that line and they still want her back on the on these shows so i think that i think it's to me i i just take it on a case-by-case have they done something that we've seen that, that is problematic because i love controversy i love I, I don't want these women to be perfect i don't want them to be afraid of saying the wrong thing and if, and if they do say the wrong thing to a certain extent as as long as they can own it and explain it and apologize for it and move on from it mm-hmm. then they can then they stay on whatever but if yeah. but but <laughs> that's obviously like a very um case by case thing but um you know, it, it. We should be learning, and I also we should be learning a little bit from these shows, right? Like I've learned things from these shows, but um, not to the point where them being given a platform so as big as Bravo is detrimental to a certain community or a certain kind of person or a certain subset of people. Um, so I really do think it's a case by case thing. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I, you know, people try to run cancel culture through The Housewives like
0: yeah. a Tomb Raider. And for me, that line is thin but very bold, right? Where it's like, you know, I feel like if somebody is willing to put it all out there and just say whatever, be, you know, wild, fun, and free, I'm all here for that. As long as you're willing to put forth that same energy to learning when you go too far. Mm. Because like, because like you said, right, because... Like you said, lots of people don't know what that line is until they've already crossed it, right? right. Like, you don't know when this is offensive until you're getting cussed the fuck out about it. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, got it. I think the problem is, is that people are so willing to be like, yeah, I say whatever I want. I keep it real. Keeping it real. <laughs> <laughs> they say. <laughs> <laughs> And the problem is, is that while we love people who are that bold and willing to say whatever, they're not as willing to learn from their mistakes totally. when it comes to that. And they more so put that energy into defending the fact that they're keeping it real with mm-hmm. Instead of being like, oh that was offensive, my bad. I thought I was just being funny. Like
1: 100%. sometimes they make it a
0: lot harder on themselves. Yeah, 100%. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's like you the, 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 the defensiveness jumps out a lot and Ramona, but God bless her. Ramona, <laughs> and I think, and, and, like, Ramo, and I think, and I think, Ramona, I think her like quote unquote willingness to learn was pretty. Uh, it, it was pretty empty, you know. I don't think she meant. I don't think she really meant that. But I, but like, on the on the flip side, I think somebody like Sutton on Beverly Hills, she was a little bit defensive for sure. But I think mm-hmm. ultimately her desire to learn and grow from that moment and like make things right to me, Red is extremely genuine. And I believe that she ultimately, towards the end of those discussions, got to a point where it was like, no, I read this wrong. I did this wrong. It's not okay to say X, Y, Z. We we can move on from this. And I think that her friendship with Crystal is sort of an evidence of that that ability to move forward and that willingness to.
0: That's a perfect example, actually, because I think the difference between a Sutton and a Ramona, is that Sutton wasn't necessarily defending what she said. She was defending her intentions.
1: For sure. He was sure. like,
0: Yeah, This may have sounded wrong, but what I meant was this. And this is what I'm fighting for. Ramona just don't think she said nothing wrong.
1: Mm-hmm. She was just like, mm-hmm. listen,
0: girl, like, what do you want from me? This is what I meant. Yeah. This is what I felt. Like, what, like, what? Like, what she, like, she, like,
1: like, Ramona Ramona watches Black Shabbat back and she doesn't really see that much wrong with it. You know what I mean? That, Like that. Yeah, totally. Yep right and to me i feel like the
0: importance of black shabbat i feel like if whoopi goldberg would have watched black shabbat she might not have said what she said on the view listen just saying just 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 saying Mm -hmm. just saying so you know it just like there's that fine line of like same thing with kyle like i didn't expect that conversation with Kyle and Garcelle about, about her not being right. her um bill down totally. to the function, I didn't expect that to go so well. I expected Kyle to sit on the Ramona side of being like, "Well, that's not what I meant. So what I said wasn't wrong." And she was like, "Oh,
1: okay, yeah." Well, I think I completely I, get it. I, yeah, I think that like sometimes. The, the internet hive mentality around Kyle is really interesting because I think that it sort of wants us to expect a certain thing from her. And she's not perfect. She's not perfect. Again, she's not perfect. Then there's a reason why no, but, but at the same time, there's a reason why Kyle has been able to stick around on this show for since the beginning. And I think she has been able to evolve and adapt with the show over the years in my opinion yeah. and um, I agree that 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 thing with Garcelle was like a t- another perfect example where it's like she didn't even think she didn't even think twice about bringing that up because she didn't think about what the implications were but once Garcelle explained them to her then she was like okay I fucking get it and now that's something she'll always know she'll always take yeah. that into consideration when she brings something like that up to anybody so um, yeah I think that it's it's we can look at these different examples and see sort of what are you actually trying to learn? Do you actually want to learn? Um, and I think there's examples of both. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because
0: because like with Kyle, she was like, "Oh, see, I wasn't trying to, you know, call you out as a black woman. I was, yeah. you know." saving receipts for the reunion. Yeah, like, exactly. Like, exactly. That's what but, we all do. Uh-huh. So I was like, oh, okay, you was just somebody else that I was shooting at. Bow, pow, pow. <laughs> I didn't realize it was going to go all the way left like that, but that's where the sure. conversation of nuance comes in. It's like, exactly. see, I get where you were going, but this is why this is all the way left.
1: Uh-huh, and we don't, the, the Housewives and the Housewives fans don't always love nuance, but I am a fan of nuance in, in these circles. <laughs> so Because so I'm I'm it helps
0: Because I think the nuance helps Housewives become more relatable. I think that that's how I was able to understand. Like, that's the only way that this whole Sutton and Crystal thing from from their second season about the whole Sutton said something that was so much darker than, like, the nuance is what made that whole situation make sense. Like, it was like, at the end of the day, what Sutton said wasn't racist. It wasn't problematic. It was just unnecessary. Mm-hmm. It was just unnecessary. Like we didn't need to hear how great it is that girls of different races were sitting oh, in literally. a hot tub. Yeah, we didn't yeah. need to hear that. Like, yeah. We know that that's how it should be. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make you problematic for saying
1: it. It's like no, if anything
0: no. that makes you the opposite.
1: Yeah, and I, and, I, and I totally and I eventually understood Crystal's point of view on that. But it took a while because she was she was definitely being evasive about that whole thing. But I also understand that it was, you know, a difficult thing for her to explain and 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 kind of unpack for herself. So I don't know. I'm glad that they're I'm glad they've gotten to a point where, you know, they're willing to have these unpack moments of unpacking in, in on on camera. And I think that a lot of, I think for a little bit, like people were so scared to. Go there. They were because they were yeah. so scared of saying the wrong thing. But I think that as a society, I like at least I liked the hope that like enough of us have learned certain practices and ways of discussing things that make it, you know, a safer space to have those conversations and more willing place to have those conversations. So um, I think we're all the better for, for watching moments like that on camera.
0: Or at least be more willing to talk about it and figure it out because yeah. it's like, you know, not everybody. Is going to like 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 I like, like 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 I think with these shows, people always want to be like, "Why are we talking about that on TV? Why are we talking about that on TV? This is supposed to be escapism, and it's you know da 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 da." But I'm like, okay, well if y'all don't have these conversations, how you gonna learn? Like y'all mm-hmm. so willing to not cancel hard. somebody, yeah. but not willing to teach nobody shit. Mm-hmm. I don't get that. Like, how are you so willing to cancel somebody, ruin their career, send them into exile and the seventh circle of hell, but not willing to pull them aside and be like, yo, th- right. that was crazy. Totally. And here's why. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. I don't understand that. But in that line of thinking, what defines an unpopular opinion for you?
1: Um, <laughs> I've been thinking actually a lot about generally this idea because You know, obviously, I am somebody who is very online when it comes to these shows. I am constantly, especially during the week and during the shows when they're airing, just, like, looking at Twitter, looking at the hashtags, seeing what people are saying. And I've I've been trying more and more to, like, just not let the, what the prevailing thought online, on Twitter specifically impact what i personally think about what's going on in the shows and a lot of the time that aligns a lot of the time i think the same i'm, I'm kind of in line with what people are thinking i would say um okay. but i sometimes also think that people are scared to say something that's different from that popular opinion from that popular opinion um okay. And I don't, I don't really need to get into like the Teresa and Melissa of it all. Cause I just, it's, oh. it's, 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 too, to, it's too toxic of like a topic. Throw both the ass way I'm not a both person. But I, that, like, but I think that like, but I think that like a perfect example of like popular versus unpopular opinion and like how the space that you're operating in changes that. So like, if you were to look at Twitter on the R-H-O-N-J hashtag, everything is anti-Melissa pro teresa Pretty much everything that floats to the top, that's the prevailing thought.
0: Hmm.
1: Dolores goes on Watcher Heaven's Live after the premiere, and there's an audience though of people watching Watcher Heaven's Live, which, which is a slightly different audience because it's people that are just tuning into the show. Mm -hmm. Those people were pretty much overwhelmingly on Team Melissa and not Team Teresa. And so to Mm -hmm. me, it's like it's that's that's a reminder, and a lot of the moments from BravoCon are also a reminder of this. Like depending on what space you are operating in the popular opinion, quote unquote, completely changes. And so I have to remind myself of like, just because like what I'm potentially tweeting out is different from what a majority of Twitter thinks, there's probably a lot of people who are just watching these shows and not paying attention to Twitter, not paying attention to the comments section on Instagram, who are thinking the same as I am. And I think that I just have to remind myself of that. Like, it's okay to think differently from, you know, the people that are bullying you on Twitter. Like, I, it's just, that's, and they're bullying you for a reason because they're insecure in their own opinions so like to me an unpopular opinion is just uh, there it exists but like it's that it's it's a malleable changing thing depending on where you are um and I I I try to make that not scare me from tweeting out my true thoughts about certain things (laughs) I feel you on that
0: I feel like Unpopular opinions are like the basis of my content <laughs> because I feel like everything I say is like the opposite of groupthink. So I'm like, what? I just uh, okay, sure. Yeah. I'll hear you out. Right. I'll hear you out. And if I just don't agree, I'm like, well, well, girl, here's where we going with this because I don't, I don't see it. Help me understand where you coming from. <laughs> <laughs> but I think for me, I wouldn't even have a presence on the internet if it wasn't for unpopular opinions because i feel like what's taught me that lesson that you were speaking about of not to be afraid there's some there are people who agree with you they just may not be Mm commenting. pay attention to your likes not your comments. Mm -hmm. because the people who like your comment are going to be very different than the people who comment back there are there are so many people who would just like your comment and and just keep it pushing versus commenting back and going into what they actually feel about it. They'll be like, oh, yeah, I agree with you, but I'm not going to say
1: that. I'm glad and, you said it. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 I, and I think sometimes there's like this again with Melissa and Teresa, I think about it a lot of like being a loud minority, a loud mm-hmm. minority of like, I don't think that, I don't think supporting Teresa is an unpopular opinion. I think a lot of people genuinely support Teresa. And like, yeah. I have my moments where I really support Teresa as well, but like ultimately, like, a lot of the times in the individual arguments I do kind of fall on the Melissa side of things and I if you if you, I dare to say that online it is like feasting season and Fuck you! yeah yeah <laughs> you know, literally it's like okay well like why do you have to yell it like the fact that you think that why you y'all feel yell it online it, but like but the <laughs> fact that you feel the need to yell at me for even like just supporting one person in this one moment T- t- tells me more about you than it tells me about me and that's why I like literally like <laughs> I mute I mute tweets all the time so I don't even have to see the, con- the notifications from that because guess what the next day there's gonna be something else people are mad about and they'll forget about my tweet supporting Melissa where I dare to support Melissa so that's like that's a, micro- my- a microcosm of how I'm thinking about this and I-, I totally agree with you the likes are very telling yeah
0: and you know when it comes to Teresa and Melissa, I don't really have a dog in either fight in this one because I watch the show for Dolores and Margaret. <laughs> love them. love that. So I'm like, Queens. that's who I'm tuning. I'm tuning in for Dolo and Marge, Big Marge <laughs> and Little Marge.
1: Love Marge. them, yes.
0: So I don't give a damn about either one of them first. But I don't. I, I, I don't like sprinkle cookies and i, and I, <laughs> I don't know no, no. so i'm not worried about it I, I, i'm tired of hearing about both of them person i don't care like i'm just like for me this ended at the last reunion when they were like we don't like each other we ain't gonna like each other and we here to tell all y'all right here that this ain't gonna happen mm. I, I was like they put us out of our misery Finally. <laughs> it was, it was, but it was
1: absolutely, abso- it was absolutely a breakthrough moment. Absolutely. To me, to me, like, I still care about it because I th- I'm curious. I-, I was, after that reunion, I was curious to see what it was, what it would look like now that they, now that they have admitted they really don't like each other and they're done trying. What does that look like? Like how toxic does it really get? And it clearly is going to get really toxic. Um, to me, it's sort of like after this season is when they really have to evaluate how does Jersey move forward. Um, because I don't think that they can operate in the same space, unless they like completely ignore each other for every group scene. Um, and I don't, and I don't think they're capable. I don't think they're capable of not arguing because they really don't like each other. and they and they, and they see the world so differently. Um, Which, but yeah, yeah, to me, to me, it's it's, it's still of- compelling. But I'm glad that we have other um, dynamics at play. Dolores and Jennifer, the newbies. I'm glad there's more to this season for sure.
0: For sure. Like I wanna see what happens. But for me the most compelling part was seeing a season where we didn't have to worry about these two bitches arguing for, six, right, for, right. for sixteen episodes. Like 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 I thought. Me being naive, I thought that we were gonna get a season where they just stayed in their respective corners, minded their own damn business, have their own separate Bravo con panels, have their own separate cast photo shoots, and just mind their business. Sure. I thought it was gonna be fine. Like y'all, we was just gonna see them being cordial and just minding their own business. We already know we don't deal cool. Like, like, like like I like because the way the Potomac women do that is like don't none of them bitches like each other. None of them. None of them like each other. Giselle and Robin don't even like each other for real. Like, none of y'all like each other, but all y'all are able to come together in this group and make a convincing television show. Yeah. Except for I mean. this season. It would be it. Yeah. But, but,
1: but yeah, they, they, yeah, but they and, and Salt Lake, they all, a lot of them don't like each other, but it's, it's not convincing. Right. Yes. I mean, yeah. Crazy. Mm-hmm. But.
0: Based on your own definition of what an unpopular opinion is, what do you think your most unpopular opinion has been?
1: Um, ooh, that's an interesting one. Um, Hmm, that's a that's hard. It gives me pause because, like, for example, like I think that me. I think that me being generally team Melissa is unpopular online but I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's really unpopular in general um, shoot I'm like drawing a blank here um, hmm I don't know you're this is a tricky one um, well, can you can you can you tell me yours or one of yours to inspire me maybe? Sure. Um,
0: I had a big one last season of Atlanta. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: When Kenya said that Sanya's husband, Ross, was aggressive to her Mm -hmm. by standing up and saying, y'all need to chill out. Stop going after my wife, blah, 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 blah. And Kenya said that that was aggressive, but then in the exact same breath said that she was jealous of her because she ain't had no man to do that for her. I thought that that was very problematic because I was like, you can't sit here and label a black man in america as aggressive for something this big especially when you want a black man behind you to do the same thing hmm. that is not okay when you was when y'all was down to uh Miami with Tammy and her son when back when Candy was pregnant and her nephew threw her out the way and slammed her oh, 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 oh. I'm granted did all that when you called him aggressive that made perfect sense right this this mm. man did nothing but defend his wife and excuse her from the table With his and words, you want right? to act like right and you acting like he jumped in your face with a glass and a bottle about to hit you in the mouth like calm down Kenya like he didn't even call you out your name he didn't go off he didn't even raise his voice that loud now what he did do is stand up to to escort his woman on out right now if you're gonna say that him getting up to escort his wife out is being aggressive how do you expect him to get her out of there hmm. that's, that's
1: a good and, point that's a good point
0: he didn't drag the chair like he eventually gotta right. stand up at some totally you, you totally. know
1: what i mean yeah totally all right that's a good one but people hate okay, me up for that yeah well i think that you have a point there um i think okay one that i had uh i'd say one of the most controversial of Housewives and recent memory is, is the last one of New York. And um, obviously, I mean, they were, they had a lot to contend with on that, on that season. They had, it was, it was deep (laughs) COVID. They had five people that like, you know, there was a lot to contend with. And they, and they were, I think the production was trying their best to, to, you know, keep the season afloat. They were holding on by one. Totally. (laughs) Totally. And, but I think one thing they tried to do was bring in Heather Thompson and she came back came to uh, Ramona's Southampton house and, and I, and I actually really, I actually like Leah, but, and I know that's an unpopular opinion in and of itself, but <laughs> I thought that she, I think a lot of people think that like, it was good riddance. Like Heather was kind of scared off the show after that little trip. Like, cause Leah just came for her and like brought up all these past comments about, that she made about Luann. And like, I, I don't think Heather was really given a chance to have her to like settle into to that to this new show, this new group, and because the show changed a lot since she had been there, um, so I think that uh-huh. she was really thrown to the to the lion's den. And um, I my opinion on that is like I actually think that she could have helped to create a better season, bridge the gap a little bit between the o the older OGs and the younger new additions. Like I think I actually think even though her. <laughs> Her delivery and some of the things she says can be really cringe and like a, and very, just like yeah, obviously like it's not great sometimes. But I think that like yeah. <laughs> I think, that, but I think we talked earlier about intention. I think that Heather does have really good intentions when it comes to yes. a, a lot of these things. And like the older women who have been around on that show, like they they know Heather, they knew Heather, and I think that I I just kind of wish that like Leah just hadn't gone as hard at Heather and like given her a, more of a ch- and like. Cause she based her opinion on her based on like random comments, and, like an Us Weekly article or something or, like on her podcast. And like, I just wish that like she had been given a little bit more space to like sink her teeth into this group and like potentially been another, like that, that season needed bodies. Like we just needed people. And like Heather, yes. <laughs> Heather, Heather, Heather is a proven capable housewife. And like, as a friend of, I kind of, I kind of think that she could have, she could have ter- helped turn it around, not completely, but slightly.
0: <laughs> I agree with you 100%, actually. I think she uh-huh. could have been a great balance. And the yes. reason why she couldn't have completely tipped the scale was because she still had things to learn herself. Of course, Like, I yeah. feel like she was the person who, who was open and willing enough to usher Ramona Lued and them into this conversation about learning about yeah, the 100%. new people in the group and learning about how to in- interact with Black people. However, as open and willing and informed as she was when she hit Ebony with the
1: microaggression of, oh, you're
0: so articulate.
1: Yeah, no, that wasn't good. That wasn't good. But like, but 100%, and I'm not that 100%, but I feel like she could, she would have learned from that. I I just, I do think that she would have been willing to learn from that and hear, like, to really hear it out. But like, she was already so far gone in terms of like, I think she was, she was like, I can't be around here. Like, I think she was like, I "I "I have to. (laughs) <laughs> she was
0: just fighting for her life
1: in life. She was Absolutely. trying to find some sort of balance. Yeah, no. some sort and, of and, and, it, and it wasn't a good that show. That would have been it a conversation like, in that. Yeah, it would have been a conversation. It was not a good showing from her whatsoever. Like, it was it was pretty cringe. But I do think that she had it in her yeah. to take us a little bit into a better place. But it, it was just... It, she, was set, did, she was set up to fail. She was set up to fail. That yeah. moment didn't really ruin her being on the show for
0: me. No, I feel like no, no, that no, could have no. been a whole, like yo, that was this, this was that. And then that would have been done. And then she she could have added that to her list of things to take sure. back to the other group. So Great I one. feel like she could have been the person to be the middle go-between. Right.
1: But, but part because- of it was that Leah had gone to Luann and already sort of been in her yeah. ear about the comments that Heather made. And so, th- so both sides were already sort of spoiled on Side-dying her before her. she even stepped yeah. into the house. And so it was like, you know. Yeah,
0: I, that is... <laughs> That's the other part But a bit for me was yeah. like, Leah, you mad at that girl just to be mad at somebody. Right. And I don't trust you around Black people no way. So I don't really want to hear nothing you got to say for real because I don't trust Leah McQueen around yeah. Black people. I, I just, Do I, I think, think I... she's a good housewife? I just think that the way that she handled Ebony and the whole Black Lives Matter movement in context mm. to her cast members was very problematic for me. Mm. Her first season, she was incredible, but I don't think she should have been paired with Ebony because I feel like She tried to use the plight of Ebony, Black people, and the Black Lives Matter movement to pin her castmates Mm -hmm. to things that were just so problematic that she was trying to get them canceled. Mm -hmm. From Ramona with the blood plasma to Luann with the angry Black woman comment. And when Ebony came in that room and said that she jumped up, like she found out she won a scratch off ticket. (laughs) <laughs> when all she really needed was ebony to just be her friend in that moment right. but she was like no i got something to pin her on mm. but it was like that's not what we need in this moment
1: right yeah i think that will be here yeah i think I, I i just like i i guess the reason why i brought it up even was just, like that's the one season that like i'm like i like look back at it a lot and i'm like how could they have how could they have made it more successful how could they have like how do they get to the point that it got? And it's I, did, I just I always I'm, that's constantly kind of like in the back of my mind. I think because like Rony was Rony's my favorite historically, so um, it was t- it's just tough. And I always just think about okay, like what could they have t- what could they have tinkered with? Like what could they have.
0: I that know. season it, is a
1: case study by itself because it's there were ab- so many absolutely. factors. Like yeah. it was
0: so many things. It was so like, many we bodies. Yeah, we needed more relatable bodies. We needed a season where Ebony did not have to come in and wait and you know wag her finger at the white women. Yeah, like it was just it, it was just way too much all at one time. And it was just mm-hmm. like. I can't handle all of this. It was
1: like Bronwyn's last season. It was like, girl, it was way too much. All the I, didn't, time. I didn't, even, I didn't even watch that season. I didn't even watch it. That, it. that that seemed too dark for me. Honestly, I couldn't do it.
0: It's like the exact same
1: um, reason why
0: I, why I couldn't finish Noella's first season. I was like, girl, you picked up right where Bronwyn left off, and it is so chaotic.
1: Oh yeah, I, like, I, saw, I saw I saw a tweet the other day that was like. They let Noella go too fast, and I'm like,
0: no, I, I could not agree
1: more. I can I cannot disagree more with that, honestly.
0: I let her ass go.
1: Yeah, she was. They should have left
0: her ass screaming in the woods somewhere because she I was just too much. Not screaming she was, in the woods. <laughs> they should have left her ass screaming in the woods because I was like, girl, this is too much. Like yeah, I didn't even it was find so out half. Like it, yeah. like like the fact that I didn't even find out that Noella was half black. Until three fourths of through the season, gagged me. Like I was like, I can't take anymore. This is officially right. too much. Like I can't do anything else with this show. Like y'all, like, just, like because the way she just brought it out of, I am a biracial bisexual. Runner. Oh right, I was yeah. Like, but like
1: she, but it's like she, I, to me, like she had thought about that line, like two weeks ago and then she you know that's the "Eh." point like I I was like you were saving that for the reunion Yeah, exactly she was saving (laughs) it she
0: had no choice but to pull that out now I was Mm -hmm. like wait a minute biracial what (laughs) I was like I'm done I can't watch no more (laughs) this season I was like girl this is too much I I I just can't deal like Mm -hmm. not like because you know how like when Garcel came on, when Ebony came on, it was like the first black yeah, how right. twice mm-hmm. call like like sound the trumpets and beat the drums and bring off right. the African dancers. And with Noelle, it was like, hey girl, nobody announced it, like we didn't even know she was happy, like we didn't even know. Mm, chaos. flat out chaos. But with that, I'll say this. If you could work on a franchise of Housewives and they let you choose what job you wanted to do,
1: would you want to cast, produce, or edit? I would not want to edit because I think that that's almost <laughs> it's almost like above me in terms of like like that to me that's like the biggest that's like to me like the editing is like such the real job art. it's such an art and like it's I don't know like the, and like the way that they. can't even imagine like how much footage they go through and they find these little moments like to me like i don't know if i'd be really good at that um i think i would be good at i think casting would be really fun i think it'd be really fun to just like you know source people or go through tapes or like ask the women who their friends are and like and like help to decide like who actually has it in them i think that'd be like fascinating to go through that process um but i think that like with my skill set i think what my what i would be best at would be (laughs) being a producer specifically the ones that sit behind the camera in confessionals and ask the questions and sort of like poke and prod and get them to say shit like that because that's what I do right so right 100% yeah
0: I I actually have gotten the opportunity to do that I'm joining a production team of a reality show this year as a field producer so I'm going to be doing that thank you so much I am actually getting to do that so I was like you're going to be good at that when the opportunity came to me, I was like,
1: ah, "Next question! What? Next question!" Literally, like, come on. <laughs>
0: next, like, like, when do we start? <laughs> you need me tomorrow? Sure. Done. <laughs> what's my call time? Like, I was like, yes, because they like, like, they were like, we need a field producer, someone to help them coordinate stories and be assigned to the cast members and really help to, to facilitate uh-huh. the stories. I was like, done.
1: Yep, Dine. that's amazing. Where do I find When do you need to be, be incredible? And you're going to have such you're going to have such a peek behind the curtain that like a lot of us don't have. That's going to be awesome. I'm so excited for it because it's,
0: it's such a great show. It's such a dynamic cast. It's so fun. There's a whole lot of drama going on right now, so I'm jumping into the middle of literally the fourth the, the fourth and a half circle of hell. Okay. So I'm just so I'm jumping in headfirst with all the shit, and I'm like, we'll get,
1: get them to talk about it. Get them to talk about it. Let's go. <laughs> Let's go.
0: What is the biggest lesson you've learned from reality television?
1: Hmm. I mean, I think there's a lot. I think. Um, I think. I mean, I think. I'll, I think my biggest, most important one is just. I just think it i think it's something we talked a little bit earlier is like it just puts you in other it puts you in other people's perspectives and, and points of view and i think that there's a you can you can find you can find ways to relate to people who are who are seemingly so dissimilar from you um mm-hmm. like on the surface i think that that's a really valuable lesson and tool to have uh just in life like i think you know as any person you encounter in your life if you have the ability to like just think in their shoes for a second or uh, or realize I mean like some of these women like we don't know all their backstories until three four seasons in even and so mm-hmm. and, and and sometimes that explains so much of how they're acting now and um I think that that's true of like pretty much everybody you meet in life it's like every every experience that you've had especially like your childhood and growing up and any traumas from that time in inform how you are as an adult and um, I've definitely learned that from reality TV, a hundred percent, and I um, and I try to keep that top of mind if there are people I run into in real life that like my, I have a snap job a snap snap judgment of them or I want to you know you know dis- disregard them pretty quickly or whatever. Like I do try to pause and think about okay, what is it that they've gone through that like makes them like this? Um, mm-hmm. But also like you know in in a in a maybe more um, surface level learning is like that not everything is as it seems. And I think that because like like you and I are having this hour long conversation, like talking analytically about a, t- a reality show that's also, that's obviously a TV show that's like edited and spliced together and produced and, and cast or whatever. But like, and there's, there's so much real in it. I hate when people say these shows are fake. I hate that. But like, there's just so much, there's so much different context to think about when it's taught me to think differently about what I'm shown. So like, a lot of people watch Real Housewives really casually in the background, they take it for what it's, they take it for, you know, they take it for, um, you know, front, front facing value. But like, there's so much going on. Like, I, You have to think about these shows, in my perspective, as like, coworkers who are also friends who also are on? Who also are very aware they're on a TV show? That are also, you know, there's all these different layers to it, and I think that that is that makes it even more fascinating, and like you'll take even more learnings from that, and you have to apply that to other, other shows. So, um, yeah, that that that's a more like kind of uh, <laughs> less intense re- learning from these shows, but I think it's just as valuable.
0: I have an example of both of those for you, to be perfectly honest, because I agree with you, well. 100%. And I think we've learned that lesson in two very different ways. Um, like to your point about not making a snap judgment about people, Wendy Ostefo for me was that person mm. because I lived for her season one. I didn't understand anything she had going on in season two. And then season three, it started to all come together and make sense because it was like season one she was the political commentator i had right. four degrees hoes like you addressed me as dr wendy correctly sweetie like it was like i was like yeah buddy Good. She like like she is olivia pope on the housewives
1: totally I yep mm-hmm.
0: i live for it and then season two she turned into the avon lady and i was like bitch, why you sell a candle what happened You have quit your job, and now you out here selling Mary Kay and Avon. Like, what happened? Wendy, now, but then it was something about learning her journey this season. Right. Getting into the details of her book, and she's learning how to live for herself, and she's learning how to do things for herself. She spent her entire life fulfilling her mother's dreams and she became a lawyer and a doctor because of her mother and all of that stuff and so now she's just doing whatever the hell she want to do so if she want to teach children about black race theory one day then go sell candles and pop coochie on Tuesday let her do
1: it yeah and I think that if we take the second learning that I talked about and apply it to Wendy it's like she's also on a show so like after her first season she overcorrected, and I think that she would tell you that because of how people reacted to her and, and were annoyed that she had on bringing up a four degree. So she was like, okay, let me go like the complete opposite way. And she also, you know, we saw that she got work done. Like that's also probably a, an effect of watching yourself on screen for, for 20 episodes or whatever. So like, there's all these different layers to that, you know, and it, that, that, that explain how she is on the show. And it, it's, it's, it's fascinating.
0: Yeah. 100%. And then on the opposite side of that, to take that more negatively, <laughs> robin dixon mm-hmm. lied about her entire storyline for a yeah. whole she diverted and hid and convoluted and created storyline for an entire season just to avoid her real story which was one out here fulalan and philandering down to the georgetown like with, like if you here's my thing if y'all don't already worked through it, if you still plan on marrying this, this man, why not bring it up on the show? Oh, yeah. I feel like Giselle and Robin missed a golden opportunity to finally give Robin what we have been wanting for her from seven seasons. Something to actually talk about. I don't give a damn about Robin flipping houses. I don't care about Robin and, and, and these embezzled hats. I don't care about Robin and any interaction with any one of these women. I don't care. Why? Because there's so much going on at her house with Juan and why she's so glad that he's not here right now that I need to get into. And the fact that we spent a whole season not talking about Juan down to the Georgetown and that's why she was laid up in the bed all, all two seasons ago because she was depressed that her husband was out there full around. after him. He- <laughs> been her a ring oh okay we couldn't talk about that fine so we can't talk about the fact that your husband is name <laughs> and this sex scandal case down to the and state we ain't gonna talk about that either oh okay cool so we're gonna talk about blue eyes we're gonna talk a- we're gonna try to invite a black mother's kids somewhere and not invite her you gonna sit here and try to make brown dick bassett a a whole cheating man okay now we gonna worry about Ashley's fake divorce like y'all the problem with this season wasn't even what was going on if all these other fake storylines were sprinkled around the real shit this would have been a perfect season this could have been a perfect season if this was centered around if the women had a centered around Robin the way that the women in Miami centered around Lisa mm Mm-hmm it would have been a completely different season.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I my y- y- that was a that was an amazing monologue, by the way. But, but <laughs> I think, but but I think that my my hope my hope for it because I'm I'm very frustrated by it as well. My hope mm-hmm. for it is that it does genuinely set us up for a season eight, where like the other women are hopefully frustrated enough to take robin to task on this entire thing and then season eight can be about her giving them the runaround and bringing up fake things and and yada 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 i think that that hopefully that's what they do and they, they it's, it's 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 literally a layup it's a layup for them to do that and it would be great and i hope they do that i really that's that is it's a, it's a fantastic opportunity for them honestly um but we'll see i don't know but i do think i i had um I had Mariah and Lauren Smith, who are two of the three hosts of Smith Sisters Live on Radio Andy. I had mm-hmm. them on, and and they were talking about that comes out next week. But they were talking about um, Potomac, and and I was saying how I was so frustrated by the by the Robin thing, whatever. And they're like, "Yes, but ultimately, the reason why one of the reasons why Potomac is like such a amazing franchise is that like." it doesn't even sometimes matter what they're talking about it's the way they talk about things and and, and it's the delivery style it's it's the style not the substance all the time and like it's that to true. me, it's like it's that's what makes them like the best comedy on tv you know like because their delivery it's is like so true. fucking funny and like the way they interact with one another and like you said they can get over things pretty quickly with one another that to me is what really separates them and, and that's what uh, this woman lauren Smith told me and that was like that is so on point because it's like, I, I I laugh the most with Potomac, and I yes. ultimately, I don't want them to be making up lies about people. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, like, sure. I, I do take a step back. I'm like, you know what? Ultimately, what we love about, what I love about them is just, like, the way they handle things. And They're fucking just, funny. <laughs> fucking funny, exactly. So, um, I try, I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful for season eight, though. I really am.
0: I am, too, because... I fought for Potomacs in season one, even though season one was a crock of shit. That that was a terrible ass season. <laughs> but the women themselves were so dynamic, and I was like, any woman that can wear bangs a foot and a half thick has to be great television. So I stuck <gasps> by these women, and then y'all just became the cream of the crop. We just like
1: the rest of the world just caught yeah, up. Yeah, I know. In the Potomac. Finally fucking fine. Y'all
0: can't fuck it up now. Y'all just got here. Yeah, you. totally. Like, y'all totally. just got here. Like, y'all just got here. And so I, I, think they'll, I, think they'll,
1: I think they'll turn it around. I really do. I have, faith. I have faith. I do too, because I feel like the women of Potomac know
0: how to play the game, but they played it well for so long. I think that this season, they tried to avoid Robin's storyline so much that it made everything else look sloppy.
1: Yeah. And so, this next season, they gonna be on her ass yeah and and i think and i think they saw it's not it'd be one thing if it was just viewers who were really upset and taking her to task for it but like the way that andy was questioning robin on watch weapons live to me like also i think he was sending a message just like sort of the cast to all probably all the cast in general like i we see through this bullshit and you're not going to get away with with you know doing stuff like this and trying to make money off of sharing the story after the scene like all that to me was like sending a message not just to robin not just to potomac but also all the cast so like i think that they got the message i really do it'd be be hard not to
0: (laughs) yeah because in this moment it was like it felt very clear Like, usually with Andy, Andy is like, well, yeah, I feel this way, but they're great TV. So, you know, the fans love them. Why not? Leave them on the show. They're great. Andy was like, "Uh uh-uh, I -uh, I call bullshit. This ain't gonna happen. Exactly. Andy gave a real, what we not gonna do is, like, Andy shook his neck on this one. Andy was like, what we not gonna do is this. Right. Y'all not going to bullshit me, nor this show. Mm-hmm. No, ma'am. no. And I think it's going, I feel like season eight is going to be the best season ever because I feel like Robin is going to try to redeem herself now that she knows that we are all I hope on so. her next. I hope she does. Yeah, I hope she does. And I hope she steps into realizing that she just set her up, to set herself up to have the main storyline
1: the next season. 100%. She's that's what I'm saying. Senator she has to embrace them. it. They have to embrace it, the whole thing. They have to.
0: Yeah, so it's like Robin, you ain't did shit for seven seasons. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're gonna earn every petal on that cherry blossom the uh-huh. moment. Uh-huh. Trust and believe. And all these girls are gonna have two more um <laughs> they have literally like two more nerves left on her. Mm-hmm. Two more nerves left on her. I just hopeful. Hopeful. Now, I just have a couple questions left. And then then, you know, we can release you back into the wild. <laughs> <laughs> if you could say something to the head of Bravo's social responsibility department, which I just found out existed, what would it be?
1: Do you know exactly what that what that department does? From what from how it was explained to me, mm-hmm.
0: the Bravo was res- the the Bravo Social Responsibility Department is supposed to be the department that's supposed to like hold all of the um, politically correct cards for lack of be- <laughs> in other words, they're supposed to make sure that all of the problematic shit doesn't
1: get seen or gets handled Why? or to make sure that, you know, we're having more they, they, sort of pa- they sort of do a pass over things before they get released um, I mean, I, I don't <laughs> that, that's a good question, I think um, maybe two things one would be that like just, be, just because we've inserted like people of color on, on certain shows and, and diversified casts, like, doesn't mean that like it's all it's all uh, solved, you know? Like like I think that it's it, it's gonna it has to be a continuous thing that we continue that we continue to work on as the years go on and the seasons go on, um, and also just to make sure the people who work in that department are representative enough of different people of different backgrounds as well and different identities as well. Um, because it, because if, if the wrong people are are doing are the ones doing the passes on that then the wrong things are going to get out. Um, so I don't I don't I don't I don't know the intricacies of that department, but that I think those are two things that I would just say. I guess I'm with you on that. I actually just had this conversation yesterday
0: on the on the Believe in Bravo Besties podcast, and I was saying like people like they think that casting Housewives of Color is the end-all be-all and it's like
1: you have to make sure their experience is good enough too
0: yeah like like you also have to make sure that they're good television they're morally upstanding people that they Mm -hmm. fit within the group that they're not evil people themselves because i mean salt lake city had two housewives of color that both had racial issues so that was the clear showing that like Them just being women of color wasn't the problem because, Mm -hmm. sure, Jenny Nguyen is Asian, but Jenny Nguyen also hates black people. (laughs) Exactly.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
0: Mary Cosby's black, but she also has said a lot of racially insensitive shit. So it's like,
1: yeah. Mm -hmm.
0: Them being women of color is not the hard stop on that. No. I'm totally with you on that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um. My last question for you is what would be your tagline and where can we find you and all of the things that you want to promote
1: um all right so my tagline is you may be the word on the street but i'm the talk of the town I, I listen, I love, I love, a, I love a tagline that references old taglines. I know that people shit on Kyle for all the "In this town, it, in, I, I listen." But, but listen, I'm the I'm the number one fan of those taglines. So, and I loved, and I loved when Giselle was doing her word on the street kind of r- riffs. Like, I love that shit. I think that's fun. It's sort of like if you know, you know, you know. So, I that's my tagline. Um, and then I. Um, i'm gibsonoma g-i-b-s-o-n-o-m-a on twitter instagram TikTok, and then i also launched a substack newsletter um, about a couple months ago uh, which is gibsonoma.substack.com if you want to check that out um and then my podcast is we should talk and you can just search for that um on any podcast platform it's one to two interviews a week mostly reality stars 75% bravo people um and we just i, I go deep with people for 20 or 30 minutes, just about what they have going on. So, absolutely, me. you are after my own heart because those arc
0: taglines are my favorite. Like, me too. My, my favorite tagline of all time is well, my second favorite because my favorite tagline is, 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 Benny's is, 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 is is tagline. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I've worked twice as hard for half as much, but now I'm coming for everything. Yeah, Favorite tagline ever. That
1: was very good, yeah.
0: But Giselle's first two taglines live rent-free in my mind. Like, they're
1: so they're so good. I think they're amazing.
0: There's just something so perfect about word on the street is, I'm
1: still the word on the street. Like, like that is so fucking good. I'm sorry. It's like, how can you not like that? It's just. It
0: is perfection. It's really good. Yeah, 100%. It is. So perfect. OMG. Well, on that note, children, that has been our show. Mr. Johns has places to be, people to interview, coins to collect, lives to change. Y'all know how this goes. But I appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in to help me to facilitate this conversation. And I also want to extend another special, special thank you to my guest Gibson Johns for blessing the pod today.
1: Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. And I feel like we had a really, really great convo. So, uh, you know, have me back anytime. Anytime. You're a friend of the show now. So come back whenever. Happy to be a friend.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being a friend. I have not gotten a chance to talk about Housewives and like just reality TV just in a grand scale in a really long time. So I love that I got to have this conversation today. Thank you so much. I can't wait to do it again. Thanks again. Now, of course. And with that being said, I want to remind all of you guys out there listening to be real, stay in reality, and always, always bring the realness. I am Brian K. James. This has been Real Reality Realness. And until next time, I love every single one of you guys from the bottom of my green heart emoji. Keep the mess in the mess, be useful but not used, and misbehave yourselves. Peace! Bye, guys. going on everybody brian k james here and i'm so excited to let you know that this podcast is being brought to you in part by outlander media network outlander's mission is to bring you the most exclusive alternative content from across the web from the farthest reaches invading your space we appreciate every single one of you guys for tuning in and never want you to forget to embrace your inner outlander I am Brian K. James and this is Real Reality Realness.